0: I've been wanting to redecorate my living room since like years. It's been years, but it, interior design is not my strong suit. And I looked into hiring someone local and it was out of my budget with getting a new couch and a new rug and new curtains. It was it was too much. But Aisling Interiors is an online interior design service available to everyone. So let me tell you how easy it is. You complete their online quiz and they get a feeling for your style and your budget. You provide them some measurements of the space that you're working with. You can upload photos of the room itself, and then you can upload photos of... Of what you're looking at, like what the style you want it to, to be like is. And then your designer will create a 3D model of your space to scale using the colors that you want, the furniture to match your style, any other details that you need. You can give them feedback to ensure things are exactly as you need them, because it's all about you and not, not what they want. And then afterwards, you receive a printable form with the information that you talked about. I've gone through that process and I was floored. I'm not the kind of person who can just like imagine what it looks like. I need to see it. And I am so excited for this moody slash edgy slash bohemian living room that we are going to have. I will put it in my Instagram stories. Go to Aislinginteriors.com and complete the quiz on the space you want to redesign. Then use code NOISE at checkout to receive 10% off any booking. That's A-I-S-L-I-N-G interiors.com. The code is NOISE, N-O-I-S-E, at checkout to receive 10% off any booking.
1: When you start questioning in one area, it leaks over into other areas. You can't help it because basically at the root of that is your suspicion of orthodoxy or tradition or the status quo. So you start questioning everything. (laughs) So it can be very traumatic.
0: You're listening to Makes Noise podcast, episode number 466 with guest David Hayward. You ready? Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. We are still on the creativity and spirituality theme this year, and we have David Hayward on today. I, of course, found him on TikTok. Uh, I feel like most of the guests I'm having this year, I found him on TikTok. He popped up on my For You page a couple of times. I really like what he had to say, and I love this conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. I wanted to remind you that we have a couple of spots left for our fall retreat. Here in North Carolina, it's in the beautiful city of Asheville. I've rented this gorgeous house. We all get to stay together. So all of your lodging is included in the retreat, all of your meals, all of your materials, all of the instruction that I will be doing for a few days. And if you want to read more about it, the methodology that we're going over, what I'm actually teaching and facilitating, it's at andreaowen.com retreat. And all the prices are there for the, the couple of different rooms that are available All the information's there, the dates, everything. And the woman that's coming to help me, who's going to be um, my assistant, her name's Jessica, she was my client in 2015 doing this same work. And she still uses the work. She still raves about it and talks about how she uh, leans on it when she needs to walk through something difficult. And that's really what it is. The whole outline is there on the site. And if you aren't sure, if you're kind of on the fence, you can book a call with me. If you want to chat and just do a gut check and just make sure it's the right thing for you. And I'll be really honest with you. <laughs> you can tell me what's going on with your in your life. Tell me where your obstacles are, your struggles. And I will tell you if this, if the these strategies and tools that you're going to receive at the retreat will help you. And I'm just really excited. I'm excited to see people in person and um, just get to hug people with consent, of course. So again, andreaowen.com slash retreat. All right, let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. In 2010, after 30 years as a pastor, David left his ministry to focus on Naked Pastor and the community that was emerging around it, and now it's his full-time gig. David believes that questions are the answer to authentic growth. It's why he uses words and images to challenge the status quo, deconstruct dogma, and offer hope for those who suffer under it. With a master's in theological studies, as well as diplomas in religious studies and ministry, and university teaching, David's no stranger to belief systems. His art expresses the stories and struggles of spiritual refugees and those who question, doubt, or reject the confines of religion. Each piece encourages important conversations and acts as a catalyst for critical thinking. So without further ado, here is David. David, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you. I I mentioned before we started recording that you're the first guest to come on with this topic. We've had so many different personal development topics. I've been doing this for almost, oh my gosh, 2013. So almost 10 years Wow! and like no pressure, but you're the first person to come on and talk
1: about this. Oh, I hate, I'm cool with that.
0: (laughs) Well, you're kicking us off. I know you won't be the last, but we're we're um we're doing themes this year on the show, and now we're talking about spirituality and creativity. And mm-hmm. I've I, as I've found many guests this year on TikTok, and you embody both of those things. And I I want to start by because this is a a topic that is uh, brand new to this show. Can we start by talking about? Can you give us what your definition of the term deconstruction means? Let's okay. start there
1: sure uh so i i was reading about uh deconstruction this philosophical school that was um, launched by um Derrida in france years ago uh so basically his claim is that there is no such thing as objective truth in a text that every we all come with our own interpretation and so on and so forth and i was I was heading to a seminar, a workshop weekend with other pastors and we were encouraged to read books on deconstruction because they were going to show us how it was wrong but mm-hmm. instead it had the opposite effect on me and converted me basically to agree I agree that we all approach everything with our own interpretation. Um so that when somebody says the Bible says really what they mean is I think the Bible says according to my interpretation and that goes for every text, anything at all. Like like your typical event, like an accident, everybody has their own perspectives, their own, you know, um, interpretation of what happened. So, I, I, I was a pastor at the time, a minister, and um, I was pastoring a church at the time, and this sort of started a ball rolling where this would happen back in 2008. I started to talk about deconstruction as a word that I found applicable to my own spiritual journey, where I was questioning everything. Mm -hmm. Nothing seemed objectively true anymore. And I was really analyzing and taking apart and questioning everything that I believe right down to the roots. And uh, so deconstruction is basically that. It's like, instead of constructing, you're deconstructing. It's like, instead of building a house, you're actually tearing it down all the way to the foundations and maybe even digging up the foundations. So yeah. that's what I mean by deconstruction. And it can happen in any sphere of your life. Like people deconstruct their political views, yeah. people deconstruct their ideas of relationships, people deconstruct their ideas of sexuality, people deconstruct their ideas of spirituality and religion. And and so that's kind of what I specialize in.
0: Okay, I love that explanation. And so I I also interpreted it as deconstruction typically happens when we've been indoctr- indoctrinated a certain way. Is mm-hmm. that fair?
1: Yeah, condition.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And now that you explained that I was like, wow, I've gone through deconstruction in many areas of my life.
1: Yeah, <laughs> not Exactly. Yeah. When you start questioning in one area, it it leaks over into other areas. You can't help it because basically at the root of that is your suspicion of orthodoxy basically right. or 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 tradition or the status quo. Mm-hmm. you know, or the, or the herd exactly. it, you start. And so you start questioning everything. <laughs> so it can be very traumatic.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because, and it's funny, I'm just putting, I'm just putting it together now. So when, um, this was back in, I think I had just had, my kids were babies. My parents weren't, you know, they weren't very politically conscious. I don't even know if they even voted. They probably did, but they just never talked about it. And then I entered a relationship when I was 17 and, and, um, that his family they were very conservative, and so I just belonged to their family, and I was. They were very close family. They protected me. They loved me. They cared about me. I trusted them, and so I adopted their their political views without without even saying like, "Well, what is the other side saying?" You know, like, yeah. I'm just curious. Like, <laughs> what what is the argument? You know, I was just told it was stupid. It was dumb, yeah. et cetera. It was you know the falling apart of the nation. And so when I, when that relationship fell apart and I started to kind of pick my head up and like, oh, there's, there's other people that I really care about and that I know are smart who have different views. Yes. What do they have to say about this? And thus started um, the whole deconstruction of my political views. And I, I felt embarrassed to say that it was traumatic because I was, I was sort of pulling back so far, but the way I describe it is. It, it kind of unraveled my entire identity at the time.
1: Right. That's right.
0: It was a feeling of being lost, which yeah. I, you know, I'm heavily involved in the work of Brene Brown. And she says there's grief in that. There's grief in that feeling of being, of feeling lost.
1: Yeah. Brene Brown, Glennon Doyle, um, these people, uh, and
0: uh, Rob Bell is another one.
1: Rob Bell, yeah. yeah. Anne Lamott, uh, others like that are all speaking along the same lines where they, the reason why some people, criticize them so harshly is because they're outside of the status quo or outside of what's normal, normally accepted. Um, sure, they have their followings and everything. But what they're saying is, is pretty um, radical, where you question authority, in, and yeah. in any any form, whether it's in a person, or in an institution, or in a text, or in um, norms, mm-hmm. you know, everything's anything that's authoritative is questioned.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. I like to jump in the deep end. It's just, it's just what I do. But I figure don't waste time. Do. Let's just do it. Let's not waste time. Big talk, not small talk. Well, and I was, I was watching like most of your TikToks, and you have a series. I think it maybe it was a handful of months back where you talked about spiritual abuse, and um, I don't feel like I, I have had that. Although you know, there there are some things that were conditioned onto me where now I'm like, whew, that was heavy and really made an impact. But can you describe, you know, for someone listening who might be in their own deconstruction process and and might not have a place to talk about it a lot. So they're not sure. Can you sort of describe what spiritual abuse might look like? Give us some examples.
1: Yeah. So it can range in my opinion, anything from sexual assault and, mm-hmm. and if anybody's reading the news these days, the Southern Baptist convention is going through uh, a very difficult time, justly so because, um, hundreds and hundreds of reports of sexual assault by pastors on their congregants, their members, uh, was buried and hidden and concealed by the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, And so, it can be something as severe as that, but it can also go to the other end of the spectrum where it's just um, emotional um, kind of abuse or psychological abuse where you're controlled, manipulated, coerced. Into hiding a part of yourself, or or feeling forced to do something you're uncomfortable with, or or gaslighting, you know all these things. So it can be, I don't want to say mild because for you know it it's it's not mild. Yeah, I
0: would say it's it's a spectrum.
1: It is certainly a spectrum Mm -hmm. from you know emotional abuse uh, where you're shamed and guilted and made afraid every day to uh, sexual assault and 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 worse. So that that's and and sexual uh, spiritual abuse. It used to be people like what's spiritual abuse like it's like it's a, some kind of a strange thing, but now it's actually a recognized form of therapy where uh, people experience PTSD, but they it might be now post-religious stress mm-hmm. disorder, where where people need to recover from a very intense religious upbringing. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: I have a, I have a, a dear, dear friend who is experiencing that right now. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about the entire spectrum and thinking about some of the things that I was told. And I remember being very young and asking, so I grew up in the eighties when, um, do you remember those commercials with, I think it was Sally Struthers when they were, they were getting donations for children in Africa. Right. And they were awful, like these just, you know, watching these children starve to death. And I was probably, I know, it was elementary school and a sensitive child and crying and and seeing those commercials and asking my mom, like, if God loves us so much, why, why do bad things like that happen? Why doesn't he feed these children? Why are there, you know, murders and why do people hurt animals? And she said, there is so much tragedy and on this earth because of uh sinners yeah that's and i was horrible. like so it's my fault like i I took that on as i am such a bad person for right. lying to my mom about you know eating the candy that she told me not to eat that yeah. that is why there are children starving in africa like that's i interpreted it that way right. and um and that's like one of the worst things I can remember, which is far less egregious than some things that people, other people experienced. But I have several examples like that of, yeah. and this is no blame and shame to my mom. Like she grew up Catholic, like that's what they believed. So I'm assuming that my story is not uncommon.
1: No, that's the standard, um, standard stuff. It, it, it's not superficial. It's a very, very deep issue. And it goes back it, in theology. It's called theodicy, the study of theodicy, where, How can there be a God, and and when there's the presence of evil, or there's suffering, or God is silent, or whatever? These are very, very serious issues Mm -hmm. that people struggle with, and so often people make a choice: uh, okay, there must not be a God, or the other choice is there is a God there, and other explanations are we deserve it, or you know we're causing it, or all kinds of explanations, but they're all guesses, in my opinion. (laughs)
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just make it up. It's all just made up.
1: Yeah, because it's, we don't know.
0: Right. We don't. No, we
1: don't. No, we don't.
0: That's the type of stuff that I used to think when I was probably like middle school age. Like, how do you know? You know, like, oh, like, was there a, a literal burning bush that spoke? To, was it Moses spoke to Moses? Right. Yeah. Like, well, mm-hmm. no, that's just, it's a metaphor. You know what I'm hearing? All, and then I'm like, I don't. I am so confused. I just remember being utterly confused. And then when right. I would ask questions, I would be even more confused than I was. Or the questions were typically not warm and fuzzy.
1: Right. So like uh, your your show has a lot to do with creativity. And this is right. one of the things. I'm an artist. I draw cartoons every day. I, I, I love draw,
0: your cartoons, by the way. They're so great.
1: Very much. And, and um, creativity for me is what freedom looks like. And religion often um, dampens creativity because religion also isn't all that great about promoting freedom. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's all connected. And, and so with my cartoons and so on, I'm trying to break that barrier and trying to break those handcuffs mm-hmm. on people that people feel uh, where, you know, because of their religion, um, they can't express themselves as they truly are. They can't be truly authentic and, and therefore they can't be truly creative. And what and, we're seeing now more and more out there that um, a lot of uh, creativity is happening by people who are ex-religious or ex evangelical or ex-Lutheran or ex-Mormon mm-hmm. or, you know, deconstructing or whatever. They're exploding with creativity because it's been bottled up for so long.
0: Yeah. I believe that. Well, and k- kind of switching gears, you yeah. had a, you had a video where you were talking about, and, I fr- and I'm going to totally misquote you, so I will not even try, but I think someone had asked you specifically, like, what do you believe? Like, what, what are your specific beliefs? And, and you said something like that. You don't like to answer that. So can right. you, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I find myself curious. Um, and I remember when I first started following Rob Bell, I was like actively searching for what is it exactly that you believe <laughs> Mr. Right. Bell? And he doesn't right. really either talk about it. So can you tell us about that?
1: Well, I do it. It's very intentional because mm-hmm. I'm not trying a lot of people saying, oh, you're, you know, you're, uh, I forget the word, but you know, hiding or, you know, you're weaseling your way around or whatever, but Actually, it's because I believe it's up to each one of us to find out what is true. And for me, your personal freedom is what's most important to me. I think freedom is the driving engine of my life, me to be personally free and, and authentic and to find out for myself. And so I remember um, some years ago, I was I wasn't young. I wasn't old either. But um, a friend of mine said to me, why are you always looking for a father figure? And it was that, that came to me at a time in my life where I was really, really intensely searching for what was true and looking all around for the answers and reading books and talking to people and mentors and gurus, not just Christian, but also Buddhist, atheist, phil- philosophers, philosophers. Mm-hmm quantum physicists, everything. He's just trying to find the answer. And, and that, when he said, why are you always looking for a father figure? I realized right then and there, I need, to, I need to, with courage, embrace who I am, where I am, take the steering wheel of my own life, become the captain of my own ship, the master of my own destiny, and stop looking for permission from other people to, to be who I am, to believe what I believe, and do what I want. And that was a huge transition for me. And, and a lot of people who grow up in religion and so on were so scared about believing something wrong or saying something wrong or, you know, or being punished or judged or corrected or rebuked for it. That That's just the genre, the environment, the culture in which we grow up in. But for me, I broke away from that. I just like, that's right. I don't need permission. I can be me. And I can believe what I want to believe. I can do my own searching and find my own answers and not keep looking to some authority figure or guru to provide it for me.
0: I I love that, that that you do that. And I, I also think it's helpful because I I imagine that people who, who find your work and and follow it and and other people who are talking about deconstruction are feeling lost and they're kind of, and maybe they're desperate, maybe they're just searching for what to believe, and and really, it's not up to you. And because we tend to put experts on pedestals, and it's like, oh well, if David says, you know, that we we don't believe in the the hard rules of of you know organized religion or, or Christianity or what have you, but instead it's this this and this, then I should believe in this this and this. But instead, you're right. giving people an, an invitation, really, to figure out what works for them.
1: Yeah, it's it's to assume autonomy mm-hmm. self-determining independence that's a huge thing that at some point in our lives we have to embrace and manifest and yeah. express we have to accept the fact that we are free and autonomous and so i'm not your guru and i'm constantly resisting that i get questioned that every day do you believe in jesus do you believe you know in god do you the, you know please tell me how to do this or this or that and you know if it's I I sometimes answer those questions, but most often I'm like, well, what do you think? What would you do? Or what would you believe in this situation? Like, Mm -hmm. and and then own it,
0: Mm -hmm. own it. I think it like changes from day to day too. I don't know about you, but like.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but see, that's okay. Like I live live on a river um, and and it's a huge river. It's called the Kennebecasis river. It's a Mi'kmaq name, the tribe, the tribe's land we live on. Mm -hmm. It's made up of many, many streams. So when I if I go down to the Kennebecasis River and put a cup in, I could point to the cup and say, "There's the Kennebecasis River," but it's not really right. It's a part of the Kennebecasis River, and it changes every day, every hour, every day. It changes. Sometimes there's waves. Sometimes it's like glass. Sometimes it's flowing this way. Sometimes it's it looks like it's flowing the other way because it's close to the ocean and it's a little bit tidal. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's many many streams, and and we're like that. Yeah, we're we're made up of many streams and we don't have to be one thing like Lutheran, for Mm -hmm. example, and everything that Lutherans believe like we can we can be who we are and all kinds of streams are flowing through us and we just notice them as they flow by. But we are always who we are. Mm -hmm. And and that never you know, that that that's something we can count on.
0: That's such such a beautiful metaphor. I love that. I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from some of our sponsors. One self-care thing that I started doing a couple of years ago was getting manicures every other week. And it is a pain in the butt to go there to the nail salon and it can get expensive. So I started using Olive in June, their Manny system. And now every time I go to look for my stuff to do my own manicure, I can't find it. And it's because my daughter keeps stealing it. It comes in this really adorable pink bag box. So I think I'm just going to get her her own. So I don't have to fighter for it. (laughs) Olive and June has everything you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and you can customize it with your choice of six polishes and their polish does not chip and last seven days or more. I actually get more days than that out of it because I put an extra top coat of theirs after about five days and it lasts even longer than seven days and it breaks down to just two dollars a manicure. I never thought I could get salon looking Manny at home and I stopped attempting years ago but the first time I used Olive and June's Manny system I was floored about how great they look I can't tell the difference so go to oliveandjune.com/noise for 20% off your first Manny system that's o l i v e a n d j u n e.com/noise for 20% off your first Manny system when she moved back to her hometown, she had never expected to run into Jack. But when she sees him at the local dive bar, she finds herself drawn to him all over again. Do you want to know what happens next? That's from Dipsy, which is our sponsor, and I love them. I have their app both on my phone and my iPad. So Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. And I think that's important that they're designed by women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. You can find stories about that intriguing coworker with the British accent or hooking up with your hot spin instructor, Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and now they offer written stories, which are fantastic. It's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. And the really great thing is, for listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash noise. That's 30 days of full access for free for free, you guys, when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash noise. And remember, all of this is in the show notes, as well as Owen.com slash sponsors. In your opinion, does organized religion ever work? Like, is it ever a good thing? Have you seen it work?
1: Well, yeah. Like, uh, I'm not an enemy of religion. I, mm-hmm. I just like to see it function in a healthy manner. That That's all. That's yeah. all I ask. Yeah, Um, one of the one of the greatest assets um, and values of organized religion is community. I think that's its number one advantage Mm -hmm. over everything else. Like, so when I left the ministry and the church in 2010, that was the biggest pain point for me was the sudden loss of community. Because when you walk into a church, most churches, when you walk into a church, for example, it could be the same with a mosque or a temple or synagogue or wherever you're handed community on a platter. Right. And all kinds of activities and potlucks and all kinds of support and you know friends and everything. Uh-huh. And and when you leave that that's all gone and I have yet to find anything that even comes remotely close to fulfilling that.
0: Alcoholics but Anonymous.
1: What? Oh, alcohol. Alcoholics Anonymous.
0: <laughs> i'm well, I'm in, in recovery but but that has its it, own spiritual roots
1: <laughs> yes it does and and it has its own issues as well it's, but absolutely some, i'm not saying the church's uh form of community that it gives us is necessarily healthy there's a lot of problems with it so religion i grew up in religion um i w- lived in religion i was in the deep end i was mm-hmm. like all in for most of my life almost all of my life and then i left organized religion in 2010. But I wouldn't be who I am now unless I was who I was then. Right. It all folds in, it all contributes. I compare it to compost, which is half earth and half shit. Mm-hmm. Half, half good, half bad. Gross. And it all <laughs> it right. folds in together. And that's what I grow out of. So religion served a purpose for me in a, in a way. I call her my spiritual mother, the yeah. church. But in many ways, she's very controlling and bitchy sometimes and really hard to get with and demanding and strict and and all those things. But I, I have a lot to be grateful for, even though I also have a lot that I didn't appreciate about it.
0: Yes, I, I completely understand that. I'm sure a lot of people listening do too. So that that community aspect is is really when I had an eye opening moment. When I had, I mentioned before we started talking, I left the church when I was a teenager, and had moments where I where I came back. I, my first marriage, we got married in the Catholic Church. That was his choice, um, and it worked mm-hmm. out because I had been baptized Catholic. So I guess I was like, oh, I was uh, I was approved. I got their stamp of approval. Then we got divorced and I had children. And when I had babies was when I started to feel the dogma um, of, okay, I haven't baptized them yet. And I, you know, I was nervous of what might happen to them if they passed away without being baptized. And so I brought them, we were living in Oceanside at the time. We're still in San Diego. And I brought them to, I don't know if it was a mega church, but it was definitely like a mini mega church. And I really liked it. I mean, they had like a coffee shop and a bookstore and like great stuff for my kids. And my kids had fun at the, um, at the Sunday school and they drew pictures of Jesus. And I was like, okay, I could, I could. do it. My husband's an atheist. So it was just <laughs> my, my second husband. So it was just me and my kids. And I remember sitting in the congregation and listening to the sermon and feeling that cognitive dissonance of like. Right. I love this, but I, something is wrong. It's right. like being on a first date with someone and you're like, oh, what? something is off and I don't know what it is. Yeah. And it took me, we, I think I, we attended for a couple of months for me to realize it wasn't the religion I was missing. It was the community Right. I wanted because my, my first marriage had fallen apart and I was such a part of that community. And then, although I loved my new husband, I didn't have the same friends anymore. And I was basically starting my life over. And I had these two babies and I was um, Mm -hmm. lonely and just uh, questioning. I was having a bit of a 34-year-old crisis. I wasn't quite midlife, (laughs) but that's it was such a huge epiphany. And which brings me to my next question for you around dogma Mm -hmm. is I went through a period of years. mm, Gosh, David, probably five to seven years. And and it wasn't intense, but it was definitely like that the whisper of Andrea, what if you're wrong? What if? (laughs) What and I know that this is from years of indoctrination growing up. What if you and I would have these these you know images of of dying and going to the pearly gates and they're like, well. Sorry, <laughs> you can't come in because you, you know, and and worrying about my children's yeah. salvation. And it just so do you have any advice? And I'm I'm past that now and I have so much more freedom now. And it's like, okay, it's all just made up. Like I really truly believe that. Do you have any advice for someone listening who might be in that similar situation of um it's kind of like this limbo of, you know, not quite to the other side yet not where they used to be, but sort of in this little bit of a dogmatic fear.
1: Yeah. Uh, I do a lot of cartoons about that because it's very real. I remember. Um, while I was going to
0: ask you like, if you experienced that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember the day I quit um, the ministry and, and the church and I was lying on my bed. Lisa was working. She's a nurse, my wife. Um, and I was lying there and I just felt this cold sweat. Like, what have I done? Like, what' what if i'm wrong like and and you're right that was a layover from my religious upbringing it's kind of like um we had a, a children's book that we read to our kids uh it's inuit uh the author is inuit and um a northern mm-hmm. uh, indigenous people and um they have it's all about these monsters i can't remember the inuit names um but Monsters that lived under the ice, and and they would tell the children these stories. And the whole point was to scare the children from going onto thin ice okay. in the in the spring in, during the melt, mm-hmm. you know, or or too early. That's basically the function of of fear in religion: is to scare us into, let's from a positive viewpoint, to be safe. From a negative viewpoint to just stay here, like, within these limitations. And so what I encourage people to do is is take the steps to eventually get to the place. So what if you're wrong, if you believe in God or not? I'm not saying whether I do or not. I'm not saying whether you do or not. What What I'm saying is, let's say you still might believe in God and you have that fear. You need to get to that place where you would believe that no God in their right mind Is going to punish somebody because of a thought Mm -hmm. forever in fire forever separated from them. No, what kind of a god creates hells, right? So most people I know who deconstructed got to get to that point where they where they believe God. If God is love, then He wouldn't create or they let's say they wouldn't create a hell or or cause somebody to suffer forever in a burning lake of fire like this just doesn't make sense to me and you get to that point and eventually if you do go even further and become an atheist those echoes of the threat of punishment eventually become like just a whisper and then yeah they eventually fade just like your experience and just Uh like they eventually fade away so that they you know no longer have an impact or affect the same way you can remember without reliving, you -hmm. know, or, but, you know, I'm, I'm a mature man. Mm -hmm. Still, sometimes the dark freaks me out. Like I'm (laughs) in a weird place and I'm walking upstairs in the dark and I'm feeling my way in the cellar. It's kind of, kind of scary, but it's all, you know, the whole thing about monsters and everything under the stairs, it just, just has a way of sticking to you sometimes. yeah. And it's the same with, it's the same with the threat of punishment and all that. And it eventually goes.
0: I would agree with that. attest to that from my own experience that it just, it took time. And what also helped me is, is talking to people who had been through it before, just like anything else. Right. Um, You know, and I have friends who, who their experiences is more traumatic and impactful than mine. And they've sought out, therapists who specialize in in religious trauma and deconstruction and so which they found really helpful which I'm so glad that 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 niche exists now it's it's so absolutely necessary well tell us a little bit more about your art did you were you going to be an artist (laughs) was that was that the original plan
1: no I mean I I never remember I never don't what am I trying to say? I've drawn my whole life. Okay. I've always been an artist. Like ever since I can remember, I watched my dad painting in our home and, and, uh, I would, I was always drawing and sometimes cartoons. I learned how to paint. I do watercolor paintings and all kinds of other drawings. And I, I did that. Uh, I went, but I went to, I went to a Bible college in the States. I'm from Canada, but I mm-hmm. went to Bible college in the States. That's where I met my wife, Lisa, who's from Alabama. Then we went to Boston to seminary went to another seminary at McGill University in Montreal. I got ordained, you know, I went the whole ministry route, and I I painted on the side. Okay. Uh, But in 2005, I started a blog, Naked Pastor, which basically means a pastor who's real. That's Mm -hmm. all I I once in a while would show my paintings. And anyway, I love a really good cartoon. There was a cartoonist I really admired who's, he challenged himself to draw a cartoon every day. And I thought, well, why don't I try that? And and I tried my first cartoon, and I thought I'm going to try to draw one every day. I thought I might last thirty days. Here I am doing it 17 years later, still drawing a cartoon every day, pretty much. It just uh, stuck. So that in 2010, when I left the ministry, I went and taught at university for a little bit. But then in 2012, I decided, you know, I'm going to try and make naked pastor a full time job, and I. I, I Put all my effort into that, and and that's what I've been doing since 2012. So 10 years I've been doing Naked Pastor full time, and and basically, if anybody asks, if you ask, have you heard of David Hayward? Most people will say no, but Naked Pastor, more people have heard of Naked Pastor, and my cartoons are pretty popular. They get shared a lot, and and some of them go viral. So I'm really happy about that. I'm really excited about it, and even to the point where I have a best of cartoon book coming out this summer. So
0: congratulations. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about it. It's my 10th book too. So- Are they all
0: about religion or are they all kinds of different topics?
1: All kinds, mostly to do with deconstruction. Mm -hmm. Some One has to do with uh, money though. I say money is spiritual because I had to wrestle with my religious views about money. And so I wrote that into a book, um, Money is Spiritual. I do one about marriage, um, Till Doubt Do Us Part. when changing beliefs change your marriage and, um, other ones are about, about deconstruction and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, but this one's my best stuff. So I have thousands of cartoons and I had to choose 125 to fit into this book. So it was quite a challenge, but yeah, it's coming out in July.
0: That's awesome. That's great. We will. So this theme will come out around there. So we'll make sure and put that, put that in the show notes. Before we close up, is there anything based on our conversation or even otherwise that you want to make sure that gets said that I didn't ask?
1: yeah, i would I would say to your your people who are listening, um, what I found really, really helpful for me, you know in my deconstruction, even though my theological deconstruction started way, way back years, decades ago, mm-hmm. um, my deconstruction from church is more recent but, um, and, and religion Uh, it's, it's been quite a journey, but what I would encourage your guests, if any of this, you know, is hitting home for them is to do it creatively. Like that's the whole, the whole part of um, this deconstruction thing is you becoming more authentically you. Uh, And so like write your honest feelings and thoughts in your journal or write poetry or draw pictures or paint, paintings or, you know, do, do stuff that, or, you know, creative dance or. Interpretive
0: dance. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do do things that are uh, an expression of your creativity. And I found it was very cathartic Mm -hmm. for me. I'm not only helping other people who identify with my art and relate to it, but it really is a cathartic process of, of creating through, your journey and has a way of exercising your own personal demons. So mm-hmm. um, I would just encourage your listeners to, to try that as a way.
0: I love that. Thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. I, I think art and um, creativity is so linked to healing and growth and okay. our evolution.
1: Could I, Could I give an example? Like, yeah, uh, yeah please do. In 2012, uh, It was 2010 when I left the ministry in 2012, though. I sat down one Sunday afternoon with pen and pencil and paper, and I just started drawing. I had no idea what I was drawing. I just started sort of sketching. And I ended up with a drawing of a little girl holding up a teddy bear to a big, huge grizzly bear towering Mm -hmm. over her. And my wife's like, what's that? Because it was Mm -hmm. so out of character for my style. And uh, I'm like, I don't know. I just felt it just kind of came to me. And For the next two years, I drew this girl or young woman out in the wild, um, facing danger, but free. I drew a total of 59 of them, and I, I wrote a reflection for each one, like a meditation. And I called it The Liberation of Sophia. That's another one of my books. But halfway through the process, I realized I started, I got really emotional this one, um, when I was drawing this one called The Cave, where she's standing in front of the mouth of the cave and it's dark and there's spider webs and there's vines and it looks very scary and she's trying to decide whether or not to go in. And we all know the cave represents going into our deeper selves. Mm-hmm. I realized I was drawing my journey away from religion and that oppressive lifestyle and, and me trying to figure out how to live free. And it was... Profound, and so the whole Sophia series was actually me drawing it out, like it was kind of like um, lancing a, a wound, yeah. like a, a bite, and and lancing the poison. And and so Sophia came out as a, as an entire book, and that was a whole creative process. So being creative in the middle of your journey, no matter how difficult it is, can be very very healing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Mine, mine is is writing either poetry or just like free writing. And I was mentioning to someone else on this theme right. that um, there are times I don't even remember writing. So I, I do think that it can become like this sort of—I don't know if I'd call it an out-of-body experience—but definitely, we're using parts of ourselves and our brain and our soul and our spirit that yeah. that go yeah. largely untapped.
1: Yeah, I, some people. Said, were were you channeling? You know, and I'm like, I'm not there.
0: Maybe but yeah. I was channeling
1: my <laughs> deepest self, though. Yeah. And to me, it was like an alien because I, mm-hmm. I I didn't know that part of myself. She came out as a as a woman, um, in in the wilderness, uh, named Sophia. So it was a very yeah very interesting.
0: I love that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll definitely have all of your, your social links in the show notes and you're at nakedpastor.com. Uh, thank yeah. you so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah. And listeners, thank you so much for your time. You know how much I appreciate that you spend it with uh, my guests and me. And remember it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hi there. Swinging back by to say one more thing. You know how I'm always giving advice over here on the show and on social media? And a couple of those things is that I'm always telling you to ask for what you want, be clear about it, and also ask for help. So I am taking a dose of my own medicine, and I'm going to do that right now. It would be the absolute best and mean the world to me if you reviewed and subscribed to this show, Make Some Noise podcast, on whatever podcast platform of your choice. And even more importantly, it would matter so much if you shared this show. Sharing the show is one of the few ways the podcast can grow, and that also gives more women an opportunity to make some noise in their lives. You can do that by taking a screenshot when you're listening on your phone and sharing it in your Instagram or Facebook stories. If you're on Instagram, you can tag me at hey Andrea Owen, and I try my best to always re-share those and give you a quick thank you DM. And also you can tell your friends and family about it. Tell them what you learned, tell them a really awesome guest that you found on the show that you started following. Whatever it is, I appreciate so much you sharing about this show.